Hey, I'm Ken. I'm the pastor here at FBC Lantana. And whether you join us for church online live with us this morning or whether you watched on demand and watching this video later, I just want to say thank you for joining us and making us a part of your day. You know, and, and whether you're watching us live or on demand, I just want to say make sure this doesn't replace you being connected to a local church. You know, where you can work on your relationship with Jesus and with others. And I know you may not live in our area, so you can't make us your church as much as we would love it. Uh, make sure you get connected to a local church somewhere. And I hope this sermon is a blessing to you and that it encourages you and strengthens your walk with Jesus. Well, good morning again. So if you've been with us, we're in week four of this series, A New Beginning. And you know, like most things, all of us do like something new. Um, we, we start out a new year, and, and a lot of times, what do we do? Well, you know what? This year, I'm going to eat differently. This year, I'm going to exercise. This year, I'm going to do whatever it may be. Because what happens is we evaluate what we've done in the past and we kind of say, you know, last year didn't turn out the way I wanted it to turn out. So I need to make some changes with this new year and have a new beginning in my life and change the ways or the things that I have been doing. And that's what this series has been about. It's about refocusing ourselves so that we would focus on Jesus that we would have this new heart, that, that we would seek him in everything that we do. And that's ultimately where it starts. And we started this series, we talked about a new heart. We talked about the woman, in the, the woman at the well and how Jesus transformed her heart. In week two, we looked at Joshua and we saw that the words spoken by God gave him that, that truth and that belief in going forward and conquering the promised land. And we can get the same thing. We can get that same courage. We can get that same strength by spending time each week in God's word, by spending the day starting it out and renewing our mind and having a new mind. And then last week, we talked about prayer. We talked about prayer and, and how we can, as Christ followers, boldly come into the throne room of God. We can have that conversation with our Heavenly Father. We can come boldly to Him and ask for what we need in our life. And we know that He is a good Father and that He will always provide for our needs. We just have to remember it's in His timing, not our timing. And I think that's a lot of times where we get frustrated or we don't get the answer that we wanted we get the answer that he wants to give us, and we may get frustrated with our life. Now, today, as we continue to talk about new, we're going to talk about friends. See, because friendships are important in our lives. Friendships are very important. And some of you may be thinking, Pastor, I'm not really, I don't know about this friendship. Friendship's not really this deep subject. Well, I think it's deeper than what you think. How many of you can remember a friend that you had growing up that impacted your life in some way? You think about the friendships we had as children and growing up through life. They've impacted who we are. They've impacted choices that we've made. In some cases, they're the ones who introduced us to Jesus. 
So friends impact the way we do life. You know, and each one of us had them friends that our parents didn't like. You know, the, the, them friends that were the ones who got us into trouble and, you know, rightly so, our parents didn't like them. And for some of us, maybe we were that friend. You know, we were the troublemaker in the group. And then God still turned us around. Amen. Amen. <laughs> you know, and we need to understand that, you know, there, there's some friends that brought good into our life. There's other friends that brought bad into our life. But at the same time, we've been able to learn from them and be able to move forward in our life. And even the friendships that we have now can ultimately change our future and the future direction we're going. And I think friends is really big in scripture. And today we're actually going to look at the interaction of two friends. We're going to look at David and Jonathan, who by looking at them in their past, you're going to see they were polar opposites. They were total opposites of each other, and we'll get into that. But what we know is that they became friends. And I like what it says in Proverbs 27, 6. It says, faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Friends can encourage us. Friends can take us to a new level. And we need to continue and always seek that. And I think that's God's design for us, is that we should have friendships. We do life better together than we do alone. So if you have your Bible, we're going to be in 1 Samuel 18, 1 through 3. Then we're also going to be in 1 Samuel 19, but that'll be later on. We're going to start out with 1 Samuel 18, 1 through 3. If you don't have a Bible with you, there is one in the back of the pew. But as a reminder, it'll always be up on the screen so you'll be able to see uh, what it says or read along with it. So with that being said, 1 Samuel 18, verses 1, 2, and 3. When David had finished speaking with Saul, Jonathan was bound to David in close friendship and loved him as much as he loved himself. Saul kept David with him from, the, from that day on and did not let him return to his father's house. Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as much as himself. Heavenly Father, as we dig into your word today, Lord, and we look at the friendships in the Bible we ask that you open up our minds to the friendships that we have. Old friendships and especially new friendships to come. Lord, we ask that you open our hearts to receive and our minds to hear. And may your name be glorified through it all as we make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. So to kind of give a little background on this, at this time when this happens, Saul is the king of Israel. Saul has been appointed king. And Jonathan is Saul's son. So as the son of the king, he is heir to the throne. He should be next in line to get the throne if something were to happen to Saul. And, and obviously you think about it, it had to be important for Saul. Because quite honestly, if, if we were the king of a land, wouldn't you want your child to take over? Or even think about in your modern day, the job that you have if you own a business. Wouldn't it be nice someday to say, man, I hope my kid takes over my business. I hope my kid or my children come up behind me and carry on this legacy that I started. 
So you know that's guarantee what was probably going through Saul's mind. And, and David at the time was a commander in Saul's army. And of course, David became that commander in Saul's army after defeating Goliath. So he defeated Goliath. Saul brought him in. All the praise, beating the Philistines. Everything was going great. He loved David, made him a commander of his army, and said, let's move on. But there's an important part here. David had already been anointed by Samuel to be the next king. Now, of course, Saul didn't know that. Jonathan didn't know that. But the people in the, in the know knew that eventually David would become the king. And they kind of wondered how this was going to play out. And in this process of being part of Saul's army and, and serving in the palace, David and Saul's son, Jonathan, became good friends. As a matter of fact, they became more than good friends. They ultimately became best friends. And I think one of the things that we can learn from them is real differences or real friendships overlook differences. Real friendships overlook differences. You know, anyone, if anyone should have despised each other, it should have been these two. Jonathan and David should have actually despised each other. Think about it. Jonathan was next in line for the throne. Jonathan was raised in a kingly in royalty. Jonathan was a warrior from the time he was a child. But then on the other side of it, David wasn't royalty. He was a shepherd. According to man, Jonathan would become king. According to Samuel and God, David would be the next king. And David definitely wasn't a warrior. What did he do? He watched sheep. So they were polar opposites, but I think what they did is they didn't allow their differences to divide them. They didn't allow their upbringing, who they were, what they thought or where they were going to be to divide them in any certain way. And I think this is definitely preaching today's world because what's today all about? Dividing people. You see churches divided, you see states and nations and everything else divided, and instead of looking past differences, we let differences affect our relationships. We, we let these differences in life or differences of opinion factor in to who we like or who we don't like. And it divides us because of someone's opinion. You know, and I think it's something we should all be working against and we should be fighting towards unity. And it's something I want you to understand about unity. Unity doesn't mean you need to change what you think. It doesn't mean you have to change and conform to somebody else. Because I can tell you, I got friends that I don't agree with. I don't agree with what they say. I don't agree with some of the things they do, but I'm still friends with them. I can tell you right here, I do not agree with everything my wife says. I don't agree with everything that she believes. But at the same time, guess what? I guarantee there's things that she don't agree with what I believe. But you know what? We're still married, we still love each other, and we're still devoted to continue our life together. Because our differences aren't going to divide us. But unfortunately, in life, we see differences divide people. And most of the time, it's over an opinion. It doesn't mean you have to change. It doesn't mean 
You know, you have to, okay, I agree with you. You don't have to agree with someone to still be friends. Think about it. What about your own family? Every one of us know that weird person in our family, right? See, some of y'all are chuckling because you know who I'm talking about. A couple of y'all are pointing to yourselves because you're the weird one in the family. Because we are the black sheep of the family. We all have these different things in our family, and we got these weird people that, oh, man, are they going to be here? Do I have to go to this family reunion? You know, so-and-so, they're just weird. But they're still family, and guess what? They're family, so what do we do? We love them. We still love them even though they're family. Think about Jesus and the disciples. Talk about differences. Jesus is God, right? Jesus knew everything. Jesus still knows everything. Knew everything that was going on. And can you imagine the the apostles kind of having this meeting and and Peter saying, hey, we're kind of short on money. And Peter starts saying, hey, I think we're short on money because we're eating out too much. You know, and then you got James, no, I don't think that's it. I don't think it's because we're eating out too much. I think it's because we're spending too much money on hotels and too much money on travel donkeys, you know. And then, of course, you probably had Doubting Thomas going, I doubt it. I don't think that's what the problem is. Judas was a thief. Judas was stealing from them. And Jesus knew this. Jesus knew that Judas was a thief and never said a word. Can you imagine knowing everything? And I mean really knowing everything because some people think they know everything. But can you imagine really knowing everything and having to be quiet? Imagine being in some meetings and you're sitting there and you know the outcome of it and you just want to, well, this is what's going to happen. And instead, just being quiet. Each one of these people had differences. Both Jonathan and David, Jesus and the disciples, they all had a difference. And I think it's interesting that even with all the differences, Jesus actually says this in John 15, 15. I do not call you servants anymore because a servant doesn't know what his master is doing. I have called you friends because I have made known to you everything I have heard from my father. Now think about it. Why? Why would they do that? Why would Jonathan and David be friends when they were opposites of each other? How could Jesus love us and love his disciples and call us friends? And I think what they did here, and I want you to really listen in and and listen to this, because I think it'll help all of us. I think Jonathan and David, and I think Jesus, they all focused on the person and not everything else around the person. Let me say that again. They focused on the person and not everything else around that person. When's the last time you focused on just the person? Instead of everything going on around that person's life, When's the last time you just focused on them? You think about it. If you have a good friend, what do you do? You kind of don't focus on what's going on around that person. You focus on their needs at the time. You focus on what you may be able to do to help them or to be a friend to them. We don't always focus on what's around, but too many times in life, we do focus on what someone has to say instead of what they're actually doing or how they're actually doing something. 
We need to make sure we focus on the people and not what's going on around them. Be able to separate that person because people have a great value for each one of us. Now, it doesn't mean you need to rest on your laurels. Jesus never rested on his beliefs. We know that people hated Jesus because of his beliefs and that he would die on a cross for us because of it. And we can do the same thing. We don't have to step back on our beliefs and what we believe, but we can still have those conversations. We can still love the way that Jesus loved. And don't let the circumstances or someone's opinion divide you from not liking someone because, well, they don't like grits, so I can't be their friend. And it's true. Well, they, they don't like biscuits and gravy, man. They don't know what they're missing. But we will let things like this and, you know, even someone's political opinion may make a difference in our life. Let it go. God's still on the throne. And I've said it before. It don't matter if you're a Republican or a Democrat, independent, whatever you are. God is still on the throne and God's still orchestrating this. But we get so caught up on everything else and what someone believes or someone's opinions. Let's just move forward and see people for who they are. See people in front of you as the value that they have and they're valued by God. And if we're valued by God, we should value them. Amen? Y'all think you can do that? Is it going to be easy? Nope. Ain't going to be easy. <laughs> but we need to at least try. And you think about it, what, what relationship in your life do you keep distant from you because someone may not believe what you believe? You think about it in your life. Each one of us have people that we won't let close to us. Man, they don't believe what I believe. I can't let them close. You know, my wife and I got a saying, I'll let people in my front yard, but I won't let people in my house. Because coming in my house is different than coming in my front yard. But I can still meet people in my front yard. I can still meet people. I can still have those conversations. I can still love them the same way that Jesus loves me. And the same way that Jesus loves them. Don't let differences divide you from who you are because real friendships overlook differences. And every one of us are different. Everyone, and guarantee each one of us could find a fault in, the, in somebody else but we're still friends and we still move forward. The next thing I think we see is real friendships look out for one another. Real friends actually do look out for one another. So we know that as you go on in this story in Samuel, that, that Saul actually started to get jealous of David. Remember, David was out there and they were even singing songs. Saul killed thousands, David killed 10,000, you know. And Saul was really getting upset and, and getting angry and jealous of David to the point that he actually wanted to kill David. Now, you think from Jonathan's point of view as being the future king, killing David would be a good thing because it secures Jonathan's role as the next king. However, they were friends. And in, in uh, 1 Samuel 19, 1-7, it actually says this. Saul ordered his son Jonathan and all of his servants to kill David. But Saul's son Jonathan liked David very much, so he told him, My father Saul intends to kill you. Be on your guard in the morning and hide in a secret place and stay there. I'll go out and stand beside my father in the field, 
where you are and talk to him about you. When I see what he says, I'll tell you. Jonathan spoke well of David to his father Saul. He said to him, the king should not sin against his servant David. He hasn't sinned against you. In fact, his actions have been a great advantage to you. He took his life in his hands when he struck down the Philistine, and the Lord brought about a great victory for all Israel. You saw it and rejoiced. So why would you sin against innocent blood by killing David for no reason? Saul listened to Jonathan's advice and swore an oath, as surely as the Lord lives, David will not be killed. So Jonathan summoned David and told him all these words. Then Jonathan brought David to Saul, and he served him as he did before. Jonathan had his chance to get the throne, and he gave it away. He gave it away because of a friendship, all because of a friendship, because friendships look out for each other. And this is exactly what we see Jonathan doing. Jonathan is looking out for David at this time. He could have easily agreed to kill him, and he would have been king. He goes above and beyond himself to make sure that his friend continues to live, to make sure he continues to have that friendship. And I think what, what is best in... How do I want to say this? I think about what is best for, for the other, and that's what we need to do. We need to think about what is best for somebody else, even if it costs us something. Even if it costs you something. I think a lot of times we won't do that. It's like, well, uh, uh, I, I got to do this, and I want this so bad. I, I need this so bad in my life. But then someone comes along, and you're like, you know, they need it worse than I do. They need it worse. And you know what? I'm going to give this up for somebody else. And it's hard for us to do in life. It's hard for us to give up something for someone else. But we need to look at when we give that up, is God going to be glorified? And if it's all about glorifying him and building these friendships here on earth, it's not that hard to give something up. Because ultimately, when we give something up, odds are we're going to get something in return anyways. We're going to get something. And the best thing you may get is that friendship. Knowing that you gave something up for somebody else. Knowing that you stood up for a friend and allowed them to do something in their life. But we need to be willing to give up sometimes and willing to let someone else have it. Think about Jesus. Jesus left heaven. Left heaven to come to earth to die for you and me. He left it all. Left it all for you and me. Can you imagine doing that for somebody? Leave it all and then die for them? Most of us can't even comprehend that. Because in our life, our, we, well, man, I ain't going to do that. To be able to die for your friend, to be able to die for another. And that's why it says in John 15, 13, greater love has no other than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. 
Now, people in the military have a better understanding about that because of the fact that when you're in the military and if you're in a combat situation, you don't even think twice. You would lay it on the line for that brother or sister next to you in that trench. Won't even think twice about it. But for most people, don't really understand that. Would you really give up your life for a friend? And it's a hard concept to understand, but it's the truth. You know, back when I went to Belize on a mission trip, I think it's interesting because the whole time I was in Belize, everyone was like, oh, I love Belize. It's such a beautiful place. And I was thinking, well, you're not where I'm at in Belize. Because when I was in Belize and we were in the actual city, a lot of the houses were just frameworked wood houses. And they had dirt floors. They had no refrigerator, no AC. They didn't even have any heat, but they were in Belize, so I really don't think they needed heat. But they had no AC, no refrigerator. But they had the love of friendship. They had the love of Jesus. No inside toilets. And think about it, even Jesus did the same thing. When he left heaven to come to earth, it was probably worse over 2,000 years ago. But he still gave up everything he had for us. And, and one of the things that I really learned in Belize is so many things that we take for granted, that we take for granted in this world, They don't even miss it. They don't miss it. They don't miss not being able to turn on a TV set. They don't miss not having a nice, comfortable bed to lay in. Because to them, they're happy right where they're at. And I think that's something we need to learn. We need to learn to be able to be happy where we're at and not be afraid to give up something for somebody else. Be able to give up something for somebody else. You know, I think, you know, we all know the old saying, friends don't let friends drive drunk, right? Don't let friends drive drunk. I think there's some other phrases that we should have. Friends don't let friends shame themselves. Friends don't let friends give up on marriages. Friends don't let friends walk away from God. Friends don't let friends treat their spouses with disrespect. Friends don't let friends become isolated. Friends don't let friends make decisions that will destroy their lives. And most of all, friends don't. They just don't let their friends do certain things. Each one of us can probably remember a friend that was going to do something, and we stopped them from doing it. We stopped them from hurting themselves. Maybe we stopped them from doing something because we can't allow that to happen. If we know someone's hurting, your friend's going to call. If you're a friend of someone and they're hurting, you're going to call them up. You're going to be there for them when they take that next step of faith in their life. You're going to be with them and help them stay connected to a church. And as a friend, you can be an example of what a perfect marriage, well, I won't say perfect, what a marriage should look like, what a family should be like, what a career should be like. I was reading a story about the massive redwood trees, huge trees, you know, out in the West. And what I found interesting, as tall as them trees grow, you know their roots only go five to ten foot down? 
But what they do is they spread out hundreds and hundreds of feet. And when you go through that redwood forest, all of their roots are intertwined with each other, which then gives them the strength to be able to grow as tall as they grow. Imagine us as friends being able to intertwine our roots together so that we can grow bigger and stronger together. Where a lot of us try and dig, just dig our roots down real deep by ourselves and keep everything away, and we put them barriers up. How about if we intertwined our roots with others as we move forward in this life? Because remember, friendships look out for one another. We need to look out for one another. And the last thing is, real friendships look to carry out a blessing. They look to carry on this blessing. Now, at this point in the story, King Saul's dead, Jonathan's dead, you know, they, and David is now king. And David looks back and he wants to know if there's anyone from Saul's lineage still alive. So he's looking back and I need to know if anyone's still alive. Well, the one who was still alive was Jonathan's son. And Jonathan's son was in hiding. He didn't want the king to know where he was at. He was content with just leave me alone. And his biggest worry was, which would be tradition, is that if the king found him, the king would kill him. Because according to man, he would still be in the line to be king. So here he's hiding out and, and he don't want nothing to do with anything. And he finds out that David summons for him. And David calls him. And instead of being in front of someone and, and being killed for being the lineage of King Saul, he finds himself a friend. And in 2 Samuel 9, 7 through 9, it actually says this. Don't be afraid, David said to him, since I intend to show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. I will restore to you all your grandfather Saul's fields, and you will always eat meals at my table. Mephibosheth paid homage, to, homage and said, why is, your servant that, why is your servant that you take an interest in a dead dog like me? The king summoned Saul's attendant Ziba and said to him, I have given to your master's grandson all that belonged to Saul and his family. You and your sons and your servants are to farm the land for him and bring in the crops so that your master's grandson may be provided for. And Mephibosheth, grandson of your master, will always eat at my table. You see, David passed on a blessing. He passed on this blessing of a real friendship. And if you don't know the story, Mephibosheth was actually crippled. So he could not go out and tend to land. He couldn't get crops. David went back, gave him everything from his grandfather and their family line, gave it all back to him to include the servants to get the food to make sure he was taken care of. He passed on a blessing and continued that blessing moving forward. Now, did David have to do this? No, not at all. But as a friend, he, he passed on this blessing. He passed on this blessing. And, and I think a lot of times even we get caught up the same way is we don't pass on the blessing. 
We don't pass on the blessing of things that we learned or things that we do. You know, you think about the, the generation coming up now. The only friends they know is who's on Facebook, Instagram, or TikTok. Yeah, it's funny, me and Bessie Parker were talking about being outside playing in the dirt. Growing up playing in the dirt, making mud pies. Kids don't play in the dirt nowadays. They don't go outside, they're stuck behind this screen, and, and they don't understand what friendship is. Well, how about we show them what true friendship is like? How about whether it's a, a grandchild or even next-door neighbor's child? You see him start a conversation. Pass on the blessing of things that we have learned in our life. Within this room, there's a lot of years of experience. There's a lot of blessing to be passed on to others. But we need to be able to pass that blessing on. Because if we don't pass that blessing on, they're probably never going to hear about it and never going to learn about it. Because there are experiences in our lives that people need to know about. Pass on the blessing to others. And I think is a practical way we can do this is, you know, this life application is I think we're better together. We weren't created to be alone. We're better together as a society. We're better together as a group of people. I just think we're better together. Even God says it's not good for man to be alone. And one way I think we can do that is, you know, in church we do church in rows, right? Everyone's in a row. But in life, how do you do life? You do life in circles. We all have a circle of friends. We all have this circle of people that we're around. So we do life in circles, but we do church in rows. How about we do church in circles? And what I'm talking about church in circles is nice and simple. Is get involved in some type of life group, life group, Bible study, same thing. Um, but get involved in one. Get involved in some type of Bible study. And, you know, we're a small church. We don't have a lot, but we'd love to get more. You know, Alfredo's uh, Crusaders Life Group starts back up next Sunday. 9.30 Sunday morning, they're going to be over in the other building in the classroom downstairs doing a study on the book of Ephesians. You got time Sunday morning, join his life group. For the men in the house, you're going to be getting some emails or text messages here in the next couple weeks about the brotherhood, the men's ministry. As we look to get that cranked up again, end of February, begin to March, start some dialogue with each other in the month of February to get that ministry back up and running. We have a Wednesday night prayer and Bible study right here. We're not in circles but we conversate like we're in circles. And we're always looking for people. You know, each one of us has a group of people that we go out with or that we hang out with during the week, right? Some of you, there's three or four of you that go together every Sunday after church and you go to a different restaurant someplace. Why not invite some other people to come with you? And then when you go out there, you can actually make that a life group or a Bible study where you can take that time to get to know each other. Spend some time talking about God's Word and do life together. 
Because believe it or not, that's what holds churches together. What holds us together is the unity that we have together. It is the time that we spend together. I will talk with Ms. Betsy. I can tell you one thing. Once it cools off, I want to do. I want to go to the park and have a picnic. All of us just bring food and everyone bring food and we'll get some grills out there and cook it. Play frisbee, play some football, throw baseball back and forth. Just have a family picnic. Wouldn't that be fun? When's the last time y'all had a family picnic? Shouldn't we as a family have a picnic? Amen. Tracy, you ready to do some grilling for me, brother? All right. <laughs> but get together. And, and this is how we need to do life. And maybe you're a, a couple and you say, hey, you know what? I'd like to get a, you know, two or three more couples. And, you know, this week we can meet at my house. Well, we'll meet at this restaurant and start a couple's life group. Maybe young adults get together and say, hey, you know, there's not a lot of us, but let's get together and start a life group. And here's the key. If, if you want to start a life group, you don't have to be a theologian. You just have to be willing to take that time to have a conversation about God's word with other people. And guess what? They're other believers, so you're going to be able to have those conversations with them. But I encourage you, get involved in some type of life group or maybe if you've been thinking, hey, you know, I'd really like to start a life group or, you know, come and see me. We can put you on our website so that people can actually sign up for your life group. And if you don't know how, we got plenty of resources for you that are free that you can use in your life groups or in your Bible studies. So I encourage you get involved somehow. Get involved, and, and this year my prayer is that each one of us find them new friendships. Find new friendships in our life, and the most important new friendship any of us could have is a friendship with Jesus. So if you don't know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, that's where it starts. It starts with that friendship and, and inviting Jesus into your heart. Inviting Jesus into your life. And don't worry about not having it right. Don't worry about not getting it together. Because he'll accept you right where you are. He will accept you as messed up as you are, as jacked up as you are, because he still loves you just as you are. God's word says, for we all sin and we all fall short of the glory of God. But if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's where that friendship starts. Invite Jesus into your life and watch him radically change your life because he is a true friend. And for some of us, you know, maybe we've lost that friendship and we just need to rekindle it. I encourage you, rekindle that friendship. Jesus accepts you just the way you are. He's not going to compromise his beliefs, but he's going to look past your differences. He's going to carry on that blessing in your life, and he's going to be there for you and with you. Heavenly Father, I raise up this congregation to you. 
Lord, that throughout this year, that as we continue these new beginnings in our life, Lord, that we'll create new friendships along the way. And Lord, those friendships aren't to try and change somebody. Lord, it's to accept them right where they are, just as you accepted us. And Lord, may we build these friendships and instead of just doing church in rows, that we'll do church in circles and that you will be glorified through it all. And Lord, if there's someone here who don't know you, whether they're here in the room or watching, join us for church online. Lord, if they don't know you, I'd ask that you have the Holy Spirit convict them to make that move today. That they will accept you as their personal Lord and Savior and become a friend of Jesus. And for anyone who has kind of walked away from that friendship, Lord, I ask that you move them to come back to you. And Lord, that you will stir us up to want to meet with each other and bring unity to this world through you. And we make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for joining us here today at FBC Lantana for Church Online. And, and, and if, if you enjoyed what you saw today, I'd just like to ask you to go ahead, go to our website and, and help support this ministry as we try and outreach and reach the lost for Jesus Christ. And you can just go to our website, fbclantana.com slash give. Um, and you can make an online donation right there. Again, I encourage you to get connected to a local church. And especially if during this message you felt compelled to accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, definitely go tell somebody. Let someone know because that is the greatest decision you could ever make in your life. And, and from there, get connected to a local church. Hey, we would love to provide you with some resources with that. You can go to our website, fbclantana.com. And on the very front page, you say, give my life to Jesus. Click on there, and at the bottom of there, there's some links and some good information for you. And just wanted to say, welcome to the family.